take your Bibles, if you wouldn't, let's go to the book of Mark, chapter number 9 this morning. Mark, chapter number 9. And um, thank you for the music this morning. Thank you for all the work that goes into each week. And uh, thank you so much uh, for being the pioneers to come back out to church. Amen. And being here with us this morning. And uh, we have missed seeing your faces and being together and just really, really look forward to these days when we can get to walk back in together and the days ahead. Um, uh, if you find your place in Mark 9, we are going to read uh, this account where Jesus hears, heals the man with an evil spirit, the young boy, and the interaction with this dad. And it is a very um, sobering and very um, window into the human condition, really. Uh, and the uh, progression of this man's understanding of his need. And it's a very heavy thing, and I hope this morning uh, we can draw some instruction from it. If you found your place in Mark 9, we'll begin reading in verse number 14. We'll read down through verse number 29. And if you're able, would you stand with me and let's read the Word of God together in honor of the Word of God. So Mark chapter number 9, verses 14 through 29 and when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them, and the scribes questioning with them. And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed, and running to him, saluted him. And he asked the scribes, What question ye with them? One of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth, and gnashes with his teeth, and pineth away, and... I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. And he answereth him and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming. And he asked his father, How long ago is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, Of a child. And oft times it hath cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. If thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him, and he was as one dead, insomuch that many said, He is dead. And Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he was coming to the house, his disciples asked him privately, What could not we cast him out? Why could not we cast him out? And he said unto them, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we ask you to add your blessing to the reading of the word of God. Lord, I pray, Father, that you would give us what we stand in need of today. Holy Spirit of God, we need faith that has been helped. And Lord, I pray, Father, that you would guide our steps, guide our thoughts this morning. Uh, Lord, I pray, Father, there be one under the sound of my voice that does not know you as their Savior, that, Father, they would hear the gospel this morning and come to a saving knowledge of you. Lord, if there be one that's listening this morning that does not know you in a way that would cause them uh, to find hope 
in the midst of a troubled world, that, Father, they would come to know you anew this morning, be settled in who you are. And, Lord, we ask you, Father, to guide our words now, that, Lord, all that we do and say would bring glory and honor to you. And it's in the precious name of Jesus we ask it. And all God's people said, you can be seated there if you would. As we walk into this text, we remember that last week we were on the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus is coming down from that mount, and he has Peter and James and John with him, the inner three, and they are coming down from the Mount of Transfiguration and coming back to where the other uh, the apostles would have been. And so the other nine are down with a, another group of people, and these people have gathered around, and the Bible tells us that some scribes had come, and uh, it's an interesting wording here that they, they were questioning them, and Jesus asked what question with them. Um, and the, this questioning was, uh, why, why are you following this man? And there's many uh, questions we could suppose are going around this. But Jesus is very interested in what kind of questions they're bringing up. And they're questioning their ability, and all of the things that are going on here uh, has no doubt left them kind of flat-footed. And what we find in the account of the text is Jesus' return, and then it is followed by the passionate father that speaks up in the crowd. Some of you in this room, you're very comfortable with public speaking. Uh, some of you are not so comfortable with it. Um, and I've talked to several people, and you're like, man, if I had to get in front of people and talk, it would scare me to death. And that would make me so nervous. But yet this man, though he's in a crowd, there's no nerves, there's no uh, fearfulness. He steps right to the front, takes the lead in the moment, and why? He's motivated by the need of his son. He is driven by what his son needs, that he has to get to Jesus, and he wants the attention, and he's not afraid to speak even in front of these. At some place here, the crowd shifts away, and Jesus and this man and his son are somewhat isolated from the crowd, and we're not really even told how that transpires. We just see it taking place because later on, the crowd comes rushing back to them. And so Jesus may be leading the man off to the side after he hears his initial request. Is has the man over to the side and is dealing with him. He says, look, I brought him to your disciples and asked them to cast out the demon, and they were not able to do so. And, and Jesus responds with these words, and he said, oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. You know, I, I, I hear a rebuke definitely here. And I'm not exactly sure exactly who the rebuke is focused at. Is it focused at the, the nine apostles who were not able to cast out the demon? Is it focused out of the dad who didn't have faith to believe? What, what is it focused at? Is it focused at the scribes here? And I think we'd have to say all of the above. And I think we even have to include ourselves in this at times. Oh, faithless generation, however, I'm glad that even when Jesus asked, how long do I have to endure with you, we're glad that his mercies are new every morning and that he is continually patient. And God's patience and his love endures and he is faithful to us. And I'm, how many of you are glad this morning that he is long-suffering with our weak faith? That our faith, though it be weak and though it be frail and though we wonder why, how many have ever seen God answer prayer in a specific way given him praise for answering prayer in that specific way, and then five, six years down the road, you face a similar problem, and you begin to doubt God over something you've already seen God work through. I got my hand up. If, you, if you've never been there, I've been there. And we begin to question, can God? 
And this is the question on the, leap, the lips of this man as he comes to Jesus. It's the questioning, Father. And Jesus turns the question back on him. And we see the question coming, verse number 20. And they brought him unto him. And when he saw him straightway, the spirit tear him. And he fell on the ground and wallowing, foaming. And he asked his father, how long ago since this came unto him? And he said, as of a, of, of a child. And oftentimes it cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. Can you imagine the frustration of these parents watching out for this child that just at a moment's notice this demon could grab control of this child and throw him into a fire and throw him into water and and the, the fear that must have been constantly on their mind even as they slept at night of what do we do how do we stop this from happening and they're they're, they're constantly on guard for what's happening with this child and he said, and then look at the wording here as the man responds. He says, if thou canst do anything, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Now, I think it is interesting here as we read this question that the father is not limiting the need for help to just the boy. He's understanding he needs some help here. He said, help us. It was a burden that he and his wife, no doubt, were carrying. It was a burden their family was carrying, and he's saying, help us. And he's calling. He said, please, if you can do anything. You know, we can sit here in 2020 and ask and look at that question and say, if he can do anything, do you know who you're talking to? What do you mean, if he can? Of course he can. Can God heal the sick? Can he save our job? Can he provide in a down economy? Can he comfort our hearts that has come by the loss of sin? Can he answer prayers that seem impossible? Can he restore marriages? Can he take broken dreams and shape them into things that we've never dreamed of before? Can he take our defeat and make it victory? Can he take our pain and use it for his glory and our benefit? Can God do that? Of course God can do that. And we can sit back and we look at his questions and we're like, it seems as if you don't even understand who you're talking to. You don't know who you're talking to and, and very likely he did not understand who he was talking to. He didn't understand the, the fact that this was the God that I believe that stepped out on the edge of eternity and with just his words he spoke into existence everything that is. With his words, he fashioned the trees and the grass and the fruits and the vegetables. And with his words, he formed the animals and placed them on earth. And with his words, he hung the moon and the stars in space. And with his words, he set balance in this universe that supports life on this planet and no other. And yet it has to be exactly where it's at. And they say that I have foolish faith to believe that God did it. And you believe it happened by accident? Can he do anything? This is the God we serve this morning, that with his words, he carved the hills and the valleys, and with his words, he painted the sunsets and the sunrise, and he's done so every morning and every evening for the past 6,000 years. He's done so with just his words, and by his words, all things hold together. With his words, he has crafted the Rocky Mountains and carved out the canyons, and with his words, he's painted the wings of the butterfly, and he, he has engineered the, the baffling science of the bumblebee. We don't even understand how that flies. Can God? 
With his words, he created everything, and with his word, he called it good. And with his hands, he formed you and I in the wombs of our mothers. And with his hands, he knit us together. And we became individual and unique masterpieces of his divine design. And with his words, he took the clay and formed man into his image, and then took that form and breathed in him the breath of life. And man became a living soul. With that same breath, he parted the Red Sea. In response to prayer, he stopped the sun in the sky. His mercy, he preserved a prophet in the belly of the whale. In his grace, he sustains life for him. Uh, and by all things, he holds it all together. His provision, he brought water from a rock and bread from the sky. And you would ask, can God? I would say God can't. See, the issue this morning with God doing work is really not about what God is able to do. It's really not the issue. The issue is that God can. God can do a work. God can use us. And this man stands and he asks that question. And Jesus then turns the question back on him. And if you would, look here in the dialogue. And he, he says to him in verse number 23, and Jesus said unto them, if thou can. He, asked, he says to Jesus, if, if thou can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And he says, no, the issue is not if I can. If you can. If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. All things are possible to him that believeth. So the question is turned back on him. We see with man it is impossible. With God all things are possible. I think Jesus is turning the issue here that the issue is not necessarily or primarily the physical condition of the son but the heart condition of the father. He's changing the focus here a bit. He's changing the, the, the focus. You see, in our doubt, we tend to blame the inability of those trying to help. There, he's upset with the apostles because they couldn't cast him out. He questions the ability of the one who can help. Can you do this? He's very sincere and he's coming with his heart focus. And let me just say this morning that maybe it is more important that we truly believe God than it is that we try to get other people to believe God. And let me stop for just a second. For if we only partly believe God, then all we're doing is spreading our weak faith to someone else. Maybe it's time we get serious about knowing God first. And as we know God, I believe that produces evangelism it produces a heart to share the gospel to someone else it is a true belief of god not just gathering a handful or a multitude of of watered down faith of people who quasi believe in god but a a group of people that truly believe god 120 people who truly believe god and i was reading through the book of acts this week 120 people go and turn the world upside down if we do produce what we have, our faith in the heart of someone else, will we simply be condemning the church to watered down faith, weak faith? So this man comes and he says, if you can do anything, please help us. The questions here is, if thou canst. Let me say this morning that God is not interested in only solving life's woes in the temporal, but increasing our faith for eternity. He wants our focus on him in eternity. The difference is not in the amount of faith that I have, but who my faith is in. 
Where is my faith located this morning? Is my faith located in science or is my faith located in all the things we can put it? And by the way, this morning, I'm for using medicine and all of the things that we've been given as a revelation from God to man of us discovering how our world works. But let's make something very clear that with all that medicine can do, ultimately, medicine can't stop man's problem. It only puts off the inevitable for a little while. Because at the end of the day, every person dies. At the end of the day, eternity is coming for each of us. And there is only one person who has solved the problem of eternity, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who's made us. And so our confidence can't rest in those things. Our confidence must be in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Father is seeking help for us, not just me in this first part. I want you to notice the two words, help, and I can't bring them out as well as I would like to for you this morning. But he says in verse number 22, he said, have compassion on us and help us. This idea is he's asking for immediate and direct help. Help us right now. Fix this problem. Solve this issue. And how many times in Scripture do we see someone coming and they're wanting the immediate problem cared for, but our Lord is so gracious not to stop with the immediate problem, but he drills past the immediate problem and he gets to the underlying problem. Because so few times is the problem the fruit that we see. The problem is the root that is inside. We think of, well, and I, I, we, we can have the conversation of, oh, well, my marriage is manifesting in this way, or my children are behaving this way, or my work is going this way. Fix these things. And so much of Christian publication even is about how to give you some kind of behavioral modification to fix this problem. And there are, there are good insights of maybe how to have a conversation and how to correct and how not to blow up in a moment. And you can take some breathing techniques to calm your nerves. But all you're doing is you're dealing with the fruit that is manifest by the root. And if you don't get to the root of the problem, the fruit's simply going to come back. And Jesus goes past the problem of saying, yeah, I see what your son's going through, and I see that you're asking if I can help, and the answer, of course, is yes, I can help, but the biggest problem here is, sir, do you believe? Do you believe? And he's pushing in on that issue. And so Jesus looks at him in verse number 23, and Jesus says, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth, and straightway the father of the child cried out. It's almost as if in this moment he has an epiphany. And he cries out. He says, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. It would not be an inconsistent handling to say, help thou my weak faith. Lord, I have faith, but help thou my weak faith. He said, I believe, but help thou mine unbelief. But the word help in this text is not the immediate word of the previous in 22. This word here is help and keep on helping. It's Lord, help my faith and keep on helping my faith. Lord, you be the sustainer of it all. And here this man understands his own weakness, and yet in spite of his weakness, he throws himself at the feet of Jesus, understanding that the issue of Christianity is not great faith in God, but it is faith in a great God. It is faith in a God who can, and he rests in that in that moment, and he casts himself upon it. So then, our faith is what God is asking for. You know, isn't it interesting that God does not ask us for our work 
apart from our faith? As a matter of fact, he says, you can do all the moral works you want to do, but if you're not doing it in faith, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. He wants work that is motivated by faith. He wants faith in who he is, and he wants it to be pushed through in that direction. And so we place so often faith in faith. This is not sufficient. It's not faith in faith that is what is in front of us this morning. And, and, and I think um, somebody, we, we joke about how Hollywood has bad theology. But I, I have to be careful because my favorite Christmas movie has really bad theology. And It's a Wonderful Life. How many of you have seen It's a Wonderful Life? You know what I'm talking about? It's really bad theology in that movie. But in December, we just don't talk about it, all right? We just leave it alone. And if angels want to get wings, that's fine with me, all right? Uh, I'll just set that aside for the month of December. But, you know, it's this idea that we have in, you know, in, our, in the Disney movie, well, you just got to believe, you know, and everybody clap for Tinkerbell. And if you believe strong enough, it'll work, you know? And it's this idea that somehow or another we can generate this in us. Let me say this, faith is a gift from God. It is not something you generate from within you. But faith is an act of resting upon it. Somebody said this, faith in God is simply being willing to take him at his word. Just take him at his word. This morning you say, Pastor, why do you believe that when you die you're going to heaven? God's word says so. Why do you believe there is a heaven and a hell? God's word says so. And that's all I need. I don't need empirical evidence on the outside of it. I can read the word of God and take him at his word. I rejoice when we see evidence that supports what God's word says. And God's word is not written in a vacuum. It is written inside this world with the gritty reality of the nature around us. And it, and it just rings in harmony with the creation that we see around us. And yet God's word is what we rest on. Not faith in faith, but in what God says. And he says, if you believe, all things are possible. And he cries out, and how many of us could cry out with this father? Lord, I believe, but keep on helping mine unbelief. Keep on helping mine unbelief. Because I know how fickle I am, and I know how frail I am, and I need you to come. And I need you to support my fickle unbelief. Prone to wonder. Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, O oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Often we worry over the faith we don't have while we waste the faith that we do have. I think often we sit back and think, man, I wish I could have the faith of, you know, an Adoniram Judson who left home to be a missionary and, and gave everything. I wish I had the faith of a, a Nate Saint or a Jim Elliott or any of those other missionaries who went and laid down their life uh, for the cause of Christ. I wish I had the faith of some of the reformers that we see in history and I wish I could stand boldly. But the reality of the fact, these people didn't do that either. It was a one day step at a time of taking the faith that I do have and stepping out in faith for God and then taking that next step and stepping out in faith. And what happens is we look at the course of their life and they say, man, that person lived by faith. But at any one moment, they had no more faith than you and I do. They just exercised their faith in that direction. And they did so over the course of a lifetime. And you and I, we walk in faith. Here this father is overwhelmed by it. So 
we place our faith in the Lord and seek him to aid us in our unbelief. God longs for us to fall before him in humble desperation and say, just as this father did, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. So the cry of the man was a desperate cry. It was a humble cry. It was an honest cry. But it was also an answered cry. Aren't you glad that when we call on him, he hears us? The Bible says that before we call, he responds. He's already working to answer the prayer that we have on our heart before we even pray the prayer. He's working ahead of time, and God has it all planned out, and yet we call on him, and he hears. We can imagine the heart of this man. Luke tells us that this was his only son. It was the only one he had, and here this only son of his is possessed of this demon, and he loves him dearly, and this love of his gives him the greatest joy, but also brought him the greatest pain. And isn't it interesting? That's what love does. The greatest joy and the greatest pain are centered around the things that we love. And here this man comes to the Lord and falls before him according to Matthew 17, and God answers his prayer. The Bible tells us, and straightway the father of the child cried out in verse 25, and then in verse, I mean, verse 25 is where I'll be reading, when Jesus saw the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter, him in, enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him, and he was as one dead, insomuch that he said, he is, he, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. Jesus performs this miracle. The demon is cast out of him. All of this sits heavy in the air. And then Mark, as is his custom, next story. And he moves on. We're not told what happens next to this man. We're just moving on to the next thing. Because the issue of the story is not this man. But the issue of the story is who is this man, Jesus? And what is the mission of this Messiah? We see his power once again over them. So what was the faith of this man? It was faith enough to ask. It was faith to admit his own inability. It was faith to confront his greatest pain and let God address it. And I think so often we sit back and we, we do not respond in faith. We do not pray in faith and asking God to do it. And I, I want to just challenge us this morning, if we could put our doubts to rest in God's ability and just say with the scripture, God can God can. Whatever it is that we are asking, God can. And take our focus off of our fickleness and put our focus on his sovereignty and his power. Place it on him this morning. And this morning, maybe God is putting upon your heart that impossible thing. Maybe you need to ask God for the impossible. And make it a point of saying, God, increase my faith. God, give me faith to believe. Let me say this. God is no less able when I doubt than he is when I believe. He's just as able all the time. I'll close with this illustration of faith. Back in the exploration of the West in the time where doctors would sometimes be miles and miles away, and it was a constant or a customary thing, you had to send for the doctor. And it might be an, uh, an hour or two trip to get to the doctor, and it was the wintertime, and there was a doctor, but he was in another town, and it meant crossing the river that wasn't sure it was frozen yet or not. 
and he had to cross this river, and so the father took off to get the doctor, and he comes to the river, and it's dark, and the, the moon is clouded over with a cloudy sky, and the, the river seems to be frozen, and he tentatively puts a foot out on the edge of that river, and he nervously begins to put weight on it, and just in utter fear, he gets down on hands and knees and begins to spread his weight out on that uh, chunk of ice as he weighs himself and tries to balance, and he's crawling along tentatively, one reach at a time, trying to get across this river, desperately wanting to reach the other side because his son's life could hang in the balance if he doesn't make it to the doctor, and he's, he's just tentatively going across the river, and all of a sudden, he hears what he fears, this rumbling in the ice, and he's just fearful of seeing this rumbling going on and he's like oh no what I feared is going to happen this thing's going to fall in and he, he hears it getting louder and louder as him and he turns to look behind him because he thought he heard the sound coming from behind him and as he did he sees a team of horses and a wagon coming across the river at a high rate of speed and the team of horses and wagon pass him by racing across the river that river had been frozen a long time ago it was more than enough to sustain his weight. And the father, seeing the faith of the horses, jumps up and runs across the river now. And friend, when you and I open the words of Scripture, what we're looking, when we get into the word of Scripture, you can see faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You and I find ourselves sometimes on our hands and knees, crawling across the providence of God, testing our weight that whether God is able and then we open up the pages of the scripture and we see horses racing across it. And we can stand to our feet and run with them. God is able. Can God? This morning, God can. God can. Would you bow your heads in prayer with me this morning? Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be together this morning. Thank you for the word of God that speaks to the hearts of the people. Lord, I pray, Father, that what has been said this morning, that, Father, you would give your blessing to, that you would drive it deep into our hearts this morning. Father, I pray that you would do a work in my heart. Lord, we believe. Help our unbelief. Help our weak faith this morning. We'll praise you for what you're doing already in our midst. In the precious name of Jesus, we ask it. Amen.